Uh, all the brothers are requested to please come closer, inshallah. Come closer, brothers. <coughs> it is reported about the Sahaba of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam that they would be close, gathered close together in front of the member of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam and such that if one were to put a cloth over them, they would be able to do so. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما My dear brothers and sisters, it is really very difficult for a person to sit down and try to understand and uncover the depth of the words that we have inherited in our intellectual tradition. It is very difficult to understand the depth of the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam, and even the words of the scholars who came after. There are two ways to look at this. In terms of the Quran, we know that it was revealed and it was addressing the people of that time. It was addressing the intellectuals of that time. It was addressing the common folk of that time. It was addressing the people in the city. It was addressing the people in the deserts, the Bedouins. And so it came as a source of guidance for humanity as a whole, for everyone. And in this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there are many verses. Some of these are, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Tilka ayatul kitabil mubin. These are the verses, the very clear verses of the Quran. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in many surahs, this ayah is repeated. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the Qur'an easy to understand. So this is one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is that there is a complex side to the Qur'an. There is a depth to the Qur'an that is not so easily accessible. It takes some effort. In this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for example, He says, وَأَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الذِّكْرَ لِتُبَيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ مَا نُزِّلَ إِلَيْهِمْ That we revealed the Qur'an to you so that you may explain it to the people. If the Qur'an was entirely accessible to everyone, then there would be no need for Rasulullah to explain to the people. And yet this is one of his tasks. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says, وَتِلْكَ الْأَمْثَالُ نَضْرِبُهَا لِلنَّاسِ وَمَا يَعْقِلُهَا إِلَّا الْعَالِمُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he mentions different parables and examples in the Qur'an, he says that we have mentioned these for the people, but only those who contemplate and ponder, only those people will truly understand these verses. And so we see that the Qur'an has many different facets. I am mentioning this point to get to the first topic that I will discuss today, and that is the concept of tadabbur, of 
trying to understand and uncover and get to the depth of the meaning of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is trying to tell us or what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is trying to tell us or even what the author of the book that we are currently reading Softening the Heart Kitab al-Zuhd wal-Raqaiq by Ibn al-Mubarak rahimahullah ta'ala even this book how can we read it in such a way that we, can, we see beyond the apparent words we look beyond the words to the meaning that is hidden in there and I'm mentioning this introduction so that we understand that these people, when they wrote, they truly had depth in their writing. They used few words, but those few words had great depth. Just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the, in the Quran, 614 pages, or 604 pages, very few pages. And yet, how many thousands and thousands of volumes have been written in explanation and contemplation upon the Quran? The same goes for the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. We see that there are two facets in this regard, even to the personality and the speech of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. One is the, the part that everyone can understand. It is easily accessible to everyone. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ رَسُولٍ إِلَّا بِلِسَانِ قَوْمِهِ لِيُبَيِّنَ لَهُمْ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent every prophet uh, who spoke the language of the people to whom he was sent. This is so that they could understand him. They could understand what he was saying. So this is one side of it. Another side is, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, for example, أُوتِيتُ جَوَامِعَ الْكَلِمِ I have been given that speech which is concise yet deep. I have been given that speech which is concise yet deep. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in regards to this about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, وَقُلْ لَهُمْ فِي أَنفُسِهِمْ قَوْلًا بَلِيغًا Speak to them in such a way that you will reach the depths of their hearts. It will affect them in the deepest manner. Speak to them in the most eloquent speech. And so we see that even in the hadith of Rasulullah ﷺ, there's that which is easily understood. But then there are those meanings that only the profound, those with profound knowledge of Quran and Sunnah, they can understand. Why am I mentioning this order? My dear brothers, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most perfect. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most wise. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation is the most perfect. Nothing is out of place. Everything was intended. And so it is only natural that the Quran of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have the same characteristics. Everything intended, perfect, every word in its place. And this is how the Quran is. And it is only natural that the Rasul of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should also adopt this such that his speech was also perfect. His speech, every word was intentional. The way he said it, how he said it, his word choice. Everything was intended. And this is why we know that what is the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam? It is his words, right? Every word is intentional. For many people, or for everyone, if there was someone recording everything we said, we would no doubt at times say something we did not intend. We would say something in which we would make a mistake. And yet, this is not the case with Rasulullah We can take any statement that he said throughout his life and it becomes a source of deen for us. 
And not only the words of Rasulullah but his actions as well. Any action that he did, that someone saw, it becomes a part of our sharia. And this, not only the actions, but his taqreer, right? His tacit approval. If something happened around him and he didn't say anything about it. And so we learn from this that Rasulullah adopted and he was chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to adopt the method of the Qur'an. About this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, وَأَنزَلَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكَ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةِ وَعَلَّمَكَ مَا لَمْ تَكُنْ تَعْلَمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Himself taught Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. And so Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam had this characteristic. We move on to the third category. And that is the ones who came after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The sahaba, the tabi'een, atba'u tabi'een. And then the scholars who came after them. They also adopted this characteristic of the Qur'an of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam into their own writing, into their own speech. Their words were few. And yet the depth of the words that they spoke, it can have books written on it. It can take a lifetime to understand what they were trying to say and the depth of what they were trying to impart. And this is one thing that we can learn, inshallah, from this book. As we already completed the introduction, so we already know that Kitab al-Zuhd is the first book in this subject matter that has reached us from the scholar, from a scholar in the second century of Islam very close to the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And so we can see this precision of language, precision of choice in their works as well. And this brings us to the concept of tadabbur. That there's a person who can look at the Qur'an, let's say a person can't read. When they look at the Qur'an, they only see symbols. They don't understand anything from it. Then there are people who, let's say they open a book, they know how to read, but they don't understand the subject matter. And so they think it's gibberish, a bunch of words. What is this? But then there are people who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave knowledge, gave insight, gave the ability to contemplate. And those people, they can look at these words and they can understand the words and they can go deeper and understand what is behind the words. And this is tadabbur, my dear brothers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the word tadabbur, tafakkur. These words, that means to contemplate and to think. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions them over 50 times in the Qur'an. And so this is something we should, we should strive. We should strive to, to learn. This is something to be learned. How do I do tadabbur of the Qur'an, of the sunnah, of the words of the scholars? How do I do this? How can I open this book and I can really appreciate what the author is trying to say, the lessons that he's trying to impart. How can I benefit from this heritage, this legacy that I have received from these great illuminaries of the Ummah? My dear brothers, there's an example, a practical example, that as I went through the introduction and then the chapter of today I came across, for example, the first chapter of the book is this, Encouragement to Obey Allah the Almighty. Encouragement to Obey Allah Almighty. So this is the first chapter. 
And the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as we know, is very closely connected to the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, for the Muslim, obedience and worship can be synonymous. Why is that? It's because everything that the Muslim does, they do for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intended. They sleep for the sake of Allah, they eat for the sake of Allah, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told them to. They sleep with the adab of sleep, with the intentions. They eat halal food in the method taught by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then they also pray salah, give zakah, and do hajj, and all these things. And so if you turn to page 37 of the introduction, there's a chapter of worship and fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Worship and fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So as I mentioned, obedience and worship can be synonymous. And so this is why I want to mention this example as an example of the precision of people. I'm not sure who wrote this introduction. And yet, the hadith or the narration that they chose to put in this chapter, the first narration, is perfectly in its place. Why is that? Because, my dear brothers and sisters, worship the actions that we do. What significance do they carry in themselves? They carry no significance. Unless they are tied to the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and unless they are tied to ikhlas. Ikhlas is that light within each amal that the Muslim does that gives it, gives it value. And so, we have heard a lot of talks about ikhlas. إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَّاتِ Right? And the importance of ikhlas and how no, no deed is accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without ikhlas. And yet, if we contemplate this first narration, this is, I'll read it out so that we can understand. Muhammad ibn al-Wazir, ibn al-Mubarak's trustee said, I was with Abdullah in the Hawda when we passed by a dangerous place at night. Ibn al-Mubarak got down and mounted his steed until we passed that place. And when we arrived at a river, he got down from his steed and I took the reins and I laid down. He began performing wudu and he prayed until dawn while I was watching him. Before the sun had risen, he called out to me, get up and perform wudu. And when I answered, I have wudu already, he was filled with remorse. Because, he, because I knew he was filled with remorse because I knew he spent the night standing in prayer. He did not speak to me thereafter until noon when we arrived at our destination. In this narration, there are two things, two primary things that are mentioned. One is that Ibn Mubarak rahimahullah ta'ala engaged in the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But that doesn't seem to be the purpose of this report. What was the purpose of this report? The purpose was to display his ikhlas, his sincerity. Is that he worshipped Allah at night, yes. But when he found out that his companion had not slept at night and had in fact been watching him worship, he was very saddened by that. Why was he saddened? Because of the ikhlas he had. He was doing everything only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He wished that no one would have seen his action so that it would have remained between him and between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is ikhlas. That is sincerity. And so the fact that the, the person who wrote this introduction put 
this hadith or this narration which is talking about ikhlas they mention that as the first report in the chapter of worship what does that tell us it tell us, tells us about the relationship this relationship between worship of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and between ikhlas that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only gives value to those actions which are done sincerely for him and that our actions should be the same way whatever we do we should strive that this should be only between me and allah it should not have it should not be tainted at all with an intention for someone else my dear brothers the actions that we do the value of it comes from ikhlas it is like for example an orange there's the peel and then there's the fruit within there are two things about this one is that the purpose the purpose of or the the valuable aspect of the orange is the fruit that the people eat and benefit and enjoy right and the peel is not the purpose the peel is that which protects it that which shapes it and so ikhlas is like this it is what gives value to ibadah and yet on the other hand we see that if it was not for the peel the orange could not survive the orange would have rotted and so we cannot let go of ibadah ibadah is a necessity and yet we must not become limited to the apparent actions of the ibadah but we must look within the qualities within when we pray salah yes it is important to have the form it is necessary to pray salah it is a fard and yet that is not where we stop we look deeper do i have ikhlas do i have khushu' and khudu' in my salah and the same for our fasts the the external aspect of fasting is staying away from food and drink and yet there's a deeper aspect to it as well and that is the ikhlas that we do it with abstaining from sins developing that connection with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inculcating taqwa in our lives and so may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to implement this into our lives i had actually intended to begin this chapter we only discussed the title but inshallah mufti alim will expound more upon this topic uh, in the coming days inshallah may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to benefit from what we heard and may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to not not only perform our fasts according to the sharia but also to beautify our fasts with ikhlas and with abstinence from sins and with developing taqwa and with de- with de- developing that connection with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullah li ولكم ولسائر المسلمين من كل ذنب فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم إن شاء الله we will now uh, do the ذكر followed by the dua
أستغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم وأتوب إليه أستغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم وأتوب إليه أستغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم وأتوب إليه أستغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم وأتوب إليه أستغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم وأتوب إليه أستغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم وأتوب إليه أستغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم وأتوب إليه أستغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم وأتوب إليه أستغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم وأتوب إليه أستغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم وأتوب إليه لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين اللهم إنك عفو كريم تحب العفو فاعف عنا 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 اللهم 
ثم إنك عفو كريم تحب العفو فاعف عنا اللهم إنك عفو كريم تحب العفو فاعف عنا اللهم إنك عفو كريم تحب العفو فاعف عنا اللهم إنك عفو كريم تحب العفو فاعف عنا لا إله إلا الله 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 يا أول الأولين يا آخر الآخرين يا ذا القوة المتين يا راحم المساكين يا أرحم الراحمين يا من لا تراه العيون ولا تخالطه الظنون ولا يصفه الواصفون ولا تغيره الحوادث ولا يخشى الدوائر يعلم مثاقيل الجبال ومكاييل البحار وعدد قطر الأمطار وعدد ورق الأشجار وعدد ما أظلم عليه الليل وأشرق عليه النهار لا تواري منه سماء سماء ولا أرض أرضا ولا بحر ما في قعره ولا جبل ما في وعره اللهم اغفر لنا ذنوبنا واستر لنا عيوبنا اللهم ارحمنا وبفضك لا تكلنا إلى أنفسنا طرفة عين اللهم إني أعوذ بك من علم لا ينفع وقلب لا يخشع وعين لا تدمع ونفس لا تشبع ودعاء لا يستجاب لها O oh Allah, O oh our Creator, O oh our Sustainer, O oh our Provider, O oh Allah, you have blessed us, you have allowed us to experience this month of Ramadan, you have given us health, you have given us sustenance, and you have allowed us to worship you on this blessed day. O oh Allah, fill our hearts with your love. Fill our hearts with the love of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. Fill our hearts with the love, love of our scholars and the pious predecessors and the awliya. O oh Allah, forgive our sins. O oh Allah, forgive our past sins our, and our present sins. Ya Allah, forgive our inner sins and our outer sins. Ya Allah, forgive our minor sins and our major sins. Ya Allah, forgive the sins that we did in secret and forgive the sins that we committed openly. O oh Allah, in these first 10 days, in these days of mercy, O oh Allah, grant us your mercy, Ya Allah, a mercy through which you guide us to that which is good. O oh Allah, grant us a mercy through which you guide us to Iman, you guide us to Taqwa. O oh Allah, grant us a mercy through which you give us understanding of your deen and the tawfiq to follow upon the footsteps of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. O oh Allah, grant us a mercy through which you are pleased with us and you raise us on the day of judgment in a state that you are pleased with us and you put our deeds on the scales in, a, in the state that you are pleased with us and we pass over the sirat in a state that you are pleased with us and we enter Jannah without reckoning. 
O Allah, fill our hearts with love for each other. O Allah, fill our hearts with mercy for each other. O Allah, through this mercy, create love and brotherhood between all the people. Ya Allah, remove all the ailments of the hearts. Ya Allah, forgive us and accept us. Ya Allah, grant us taqwa in this month. Ya Allah, grant us the tawfiq to receive from your bounties and blessings in this month. Ya Allah, accept us and forgive us and have mercy on us. Ya Rabbil Alameen, subhanallahi wa bihamdi, subhanakallahu wa bihamdika, ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. The brothers can uh, proceed inshallah and the sisters to the iftar. Uh, Jazakumullah khairan.